and the amazing chance to interview Obsessed Academy CEO, entrepreneur, international keynote speaker, Mr. Evan Stewart. Hopefully you are blessed by this conversation of us chopping it up about society, culture, life, um, business. And yeah, tap in. It's going, it's loading, it's loading. All right, whoops, says LinkedIn. I'm not approved for LinkedIn Live. Huh. But anyway, YouTube and Facebook's fine. All right. Uh, remove. Remove. I'll fix that later. Twitch. Save changes. And we are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode... Um, 12 of season three of Campus Cuts. Uh, today, I got a great special guest. I have an international global um, speaker, uh, an entrepreneur, a businessman, a man of faith, a man of uh, development, man that's all about being able to push people to the next level, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm super excited. I've watched this content for a while now, and it's crazy that this is happening. Uh, Mr. Evan Stewart, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing so well. Thank you for asking. Doing really well. How are you? Oh, oh can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. There, there we go. Man, I, nothing like technical difficulties right out of the gate, right? No, that... <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I said, uh, but I said I am having a wonderful day. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to share some good conversation with you. Uh, I think you're on a great show and I'm looking forward to this. So I thank you very much for, for hosting me. Right. Yes, sir. So of course, there's going to be a little bit of bugs here and there because of technology and everything going on, but um, hope that you can stick with us and hopefully this goes okay. <laughs> That's that. Hey, that sounds good to me. I mean, the, we can keep on pushing forward, so I don't have a problem with that at all. Right. Yes, sir. So um, basically, you know, I gave a little bit of an introduction about you, but um, introduce yourself. What is your name? Um, what's your occupation? Um, and where did you go to school if you went to school? And um, just talk about yourself. Like, who are you as the core of a human being? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, um, I'm a follower of God first. I think that's important. But um, I'm just an individual that got a little bit fed up with seeing people run their lives into the ground and decided to do something about it. Um, I, I went to school up in North Texas, so I actually went to the University of North Texas, so not too far away from you. Actually. Okay. Um, I, I live in Dallas right now, so I'm not too far from you again, but um, I, uh, I didn't actually complete my schooling, so I got a little bit into it, and my real estate career started taking off at the time. So. I thought, you know, I can always go back to a classroom. I can't always take advantage of an opportunity. And it just took off and it exploded and um, and then became the platform for what I do today. And so, um, no, I, I'm, there, I'm not actually that complicated. Uh, I, I live a, a life that, that I think is inspiring, fascinating, and motivating, and I enjoy it. But in reality, it's pretty simple. I do a couple of things, but I do my best to do them well. <laughs> right, right. Like that's the motto. That's the motto. And then, and what are those things? You know, talk about your company a little bit. And um, well, actually, before we get there, what made you want to drop out um, and to be able to go take that jump, take that opportunity to go after your dream? Because I know that for me, there's a lot of us right now, Generation Z, that is like kind of like, okay, we're kind of fed up with how society's going and what's going on, what's happening. Yeah. And then now, like the internet and just so much information, the information age has really given us access to a bunch of things and a bunch of uh, uh, an opportunity to jump. But what made you take that leap of faith? Like, I got to go in. This is my only time. Yeah. I mean, a couple of different things. Um I posted a quote the other day on Instagram that I think is really important, and it's actually incredibly relevant to this conversation, which is most people, they get excited and they start a company or a hustle or a brand or whatever you want to call it. Right. They don't get prepared, they get excited. Right. And so I come from a line of entrepreneurs, and growing up, the mindset, the mentality was always, what business do I start, service do I provide in order to earn or achieve or achieve what I'm looking to do, not what job do I get. And so when I was in school, I had already 
built and and so I say built and sold. It wasn't anything big, but it was still companies and corporate structures, and I had employees and I had products. I did that in high school. So by the time I was in college, I already kind of knew the basic understanding of what it took to get something off the ground.、Um, and I was in school for entrepreneurship. So I literally was going to school to learn the things that I had either learned by experience, but entrepreneurship by nature is jumping out and starting something on your own, not、um, you know following a textbook. And I remember the day I, there was two. two Happened on one specific day, and I thought, you know what, I'm done. The first was I started earning some money in this other business that was taking off.、Um, but the second was I was learning from a professor who was teaching things that were textbook that I knew from experience didn't work. Right. I knew from experience didn't work. Oh well, this is how you build a culture. No, it's not because I did that because I went by the book. And so I sat there. I thought, okay, I'm spend. And North Texas is not an expensive school. You know, it's、yeah. it's what you know. We could do the entire thing for under a hundred grand, but um, or probably even under sixty. But you're like, okay, so I'm sitting there and I'm learning and I'm listening and I'm thinking, I already have done this. Not a mentality of I'm arrogant. I know best. But no, no, I have data in my life where that didn't work. And so I just started thinking. I thought, you know what? I can always, and I looked around me, right? And my class is is diverse, all different people and different ages. And and I thought, you know what? If there's someone who's 50 that's sitting next to me, I can always come back. Right. And so I jumped out on a limb. I was at the time I was single. I, I was in a, a, a friends with who now is is my my wife, but um, I, I wasn't in a committed relationship at the time. I was single. I had no kids. I I just it was a good time to really go all in into something and, um. You know, thankfully it it paid off. But but now what we do、uh, to answer the second part of your question is so at that time what I jumped into was my real estate company,、right. and、um, it it was an opportunity to start. And when I exited that, I had moved through hard work and a lot of grace into、uh, the top one percent of professionals in Texas and built a multi eight figure book of business, roughly about thirty five million in annual sales when I left. So. Um, Praise God! Yeah, so it, so it, it was an opportunity to really really learn and、um, at a young age build something that was was a, a pretty good accomplishment. And so what I do now, in a nutshell, is Obsessed Academy, my company. We work with small, mid market, and enterprise level organizations on three areas because every organization needs to focus on four. I take care of three of the four: revenue, relationships, and structure. And、right. the one that I I, I don't、uh, work on yet is awareness. Marketing isn't my thing, but revenue, relationship structure, getting to the money, building vested relationships, and building systems that don't break at scale—that's my specialty. And so,、um, so what we do is we'll go into companies and we'll increase efficiency and we'll take the tactics that I used in building my own infrastructure, helping other people do the same, and then implement that and help other people achieve scale. So to touch on what you what, something that you said, which is Generation Z, you guys are caught right now. You're、right. caught between old world and new world. You're、right. caught between excitement and emotion. You're you're caught in so many different ways, and it's an interesting conversation because the reason I started with the quote "most people get excited and start and not prepared and start" is I bet you know many people that want to start a brand, or I'm going to start a line, I'm going to do a clothing line, I'm going to do this business, I'm going to do this technology, I'm going to be building websites, I'm going to be building funnels, and the problem is, is real business is very very difficult. Right. And the reason that I to, to to speak on what made me take the jump was I saw an opportunity that I knew I had to latch onto right now, but also because of my experience in the family, the the history of seeing businesses be built, I also knew what I was getting into, and that's key.、Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people that get excited. I want to start a brand, and it's easier than ever. If you're listening to this and you're like, "Man, I just know deep down, like God put me on this earth to do," then do it. Like, go for it. But But make sure that you're prepared. And you know what you're getting into. Starting a business is very hard. Right. It's incredibly hard. It really is. I even I told Brittany the other day, my my, my wife Brittany, I, with Obsessed Academy. You know, technically we're still a startup. We're growing.、Um, I was、right. like, it's so friggin' hard. I, I forget how hard it is. And so I think where your generation, Generation Z, can really dig in is making sure that you have the data on what it actually takes to construct something because. It's not even a Generation Z. It's just the age group of like seventeen to twenty-five in general. You're in this space in life、right. 
where you're on your own, you can think for yourself, you can make your own decisions, you're an adult, and yet you don't have the resources yet in network and finances and relationships to mm -hmm. actually bridge the gap. And um, it's, a, it's an amazing time to jump on opportunity, uh, but it can be very tough. It can be very, very tough. And so I think the, the place to start is to get educated on what the reality of that idea looks like. You want to start a brand? Amazing. Let's talk about inventory and right. culture and taxes and international right. taxes, shipping across state lines, you know, things like that, Get, getting into the minutia of the work. Yeah, that is so good because I was actually listening to a podcast um, a couple of days ago with about, um, Steve Stout, mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, and a couple of other guys on, the, on ESPN Network. I forgot the two. But there, um, it was, no, Rich Kleiman, Rich Kleiman, mm -hmm. and then how he ventures, you know, is partnered with Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. And Steve Stout was saying that everybody is talking about entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Like everybody's saying, uh, like, because it's so easy to put that tag. And I'm, I'm feeling convicted too, because um, I put that tag underneath because it's kind of hard to put me put me at somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, my, all my friends, I'm all over the box and I'm trying to figure out new things, but um, it's that everybody, I feel like a lot of people have the entrepreneurial spirit, but they don't understand that entrepreneurship is so hard. It's not like a business admin minor or major, like, okay, you can go in and whatever, but like you are on the journey of creating something new that's never been done before. And your, your likelihood of failure is so high. <laughs> it's not easy. It is difficult. So like, talk about like, what is the thing? Why is everybody so quick to say, boom, I'm an entrepreneur. Look at this. It's got the, kind of like the new trendy thing. Well, it's sexy, right? I mean, it, 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 you said entrepreneurial spirit. I want to respectfully challenge that. People have entrepreneurial excitement. I think very few people yeah. have the spirit of entrepreneurship because it's easy to get excited. So here's the thing more now, I think why more people than ever, A, it's become very sexy, just everybody wants to be the the authority, right? I mean, regardless, you want to be an authority. If you wanted to be a musician, you don't want to be the person playing the bar at three in the afternoon on a Tuesday. You want to be the one yeah. playing South by Southwest. So they're, they're, everybody wants to be an authority. But I think the interesting thing, again, going back to your audience, right, a lot of Generation Z, is you were caught in the age to where immediately from the ground up, your entire world is thinking bigger because you guys have immediate access to the entire world in your pocket. And that's something that not even my generation, millennials, I remember when people would start to get phones, you know, it's interesting. I was um, working with an individual who works with younger kids. We're talking about how the, the young, young children, when they play telephone, no one does this anymore. They only do this because they're used to flat phones, not, not traditional. I remember right. these days. Right. And so, um, yeah. and, and so it's a, it's a blessing. I'm not a believer that you guys need to get off the phones and all that crap. I think that has got to go away. What I'm talking about is you're in an environment where every single day you're inundated with thinking bigger, connectivity, and more. Mm. And it's much more robust than it was in my generation, in our parents' generation. It's much more robust than it ever has been. And it's continuing to get more and more connected. You can see that every day. And so I think there's a fallacy of I can see more and I have to be the one that takes charge. That's where there's disconnect in my opinion. I love the entrepreneurial spirit. I love the entrepreneurial journey, but I know some amazing people that are entrepreneurs. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I know some amazing people that are business owners. They should not be the chief executive. They should be an amazing number two, number four, right. number 10. And, and that's what I'm saying is, so, so I want to touch on these qualifiers for a second, if you'll let me. Yeah, of course. Um, absolutely. There's three things in particular that really changed my life and I think will be powerful. And that's inspiration, fascination, and motivation. Right. And I think that needs to be answered in the entrepreneurial question is, I believe that you deserve to be inspired, fascinated, and motivated by where you live, where you work, who you live and work with, and how you live and work. That doesn't mean that you always have to be the one leading the charge. Because think about it. If you, uh, let's say you come work for me and you can accomplish your dreams and financially your goals are achieved. You can spend time with your spouse and you love your life. You're inspired by your work. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO or the one taking charge. I think if those qualifiers are met, then the only other piece that we need to, to fit into is, is do you need the title in order to feel validated? Mm -hmm. But I think everybody is, thinks that that comes behind the title. And let me tell you something. I thought my life would change when I made a million dollars. It didn't. Because really? people look at that and say, okay, you know, uh, uh, you know, running a multi-eight figure book of business. Okay. My expenses were at least twenty to $30,000 a month, first of all, right, right out of the gate. 
Right. So, uh, which is very expensive. But the other thing was, is in my pursuit, because it was all earned, there's a difference between earned and residual, different conversation, but it was all earned 100% effort to 100% earning. And I walk away with a decent amount of money in my pocket, but I was exhausted. And I don't mean exhausted, like I got to get some rest. I mean, spiritually exhausted. I wasn't communicating right. with my maker. I wasn't communicating with my spouse. I wasn't present with my friends. Uh, what I, this the areas of my life weren't connected because I was so desperately in pursuit of validation of my effort as a young man. Once I make the million, and what I found is is once you hit these numbers, as my business grew, doing five million a year felt a lot like one. Doing ten felt like five and fifty. It, it it becomes completely arbitrary, which I know sounds crazy, but it really really does. And right. I see this these people, not just Gen Z, but just people in general that are leaning into that spirit that are going after arbitrary goals, like money's going to solve your problems. I know a lot of people who are very rich. They got a lot of problems. The difference is no one gives a crap when you have millions of dollars in the bank. Right. And so I think those qualifiers, if we can stop talking about the entrepreneurial spirit and start talking about inspiration, fascination, and motivation, it gives you a paradigm shift in where to look for opportunities because the end goal doesn't become boxed in the title it now becomes open to something that you find fulfilling when you come home from your work instead of leaning into a title because you want other people to validate you because you're actually insecure in your own identity, you know? And that is so good because, you know, at the end of the day, um, I was listening. Um, I actually had John Henry on the podcast, read a couple mm. of I love, man, dude. Um, it was kind of like a consulting call. He, he was just giving me some game and I just put it out there. Um, awesome. But it's the fact that my mentor was telling me this better to make it's like there's a there's a more of an idea of like the jump from 30k to 70k than it is from like whatever you're making to a million because at the end of the day most people oh my bad uh most people aren't i think is most people want to feel important and they want to have impact but the way of how the economy and capitalism has done and this is my opinion has created a way and this can go into like the banking theory and all this and economics has created in a way that you need to be able to get currency fiat in order to feel that you need to do that does money and because honestly we all know that the true wealth is your time and your freedom and your health and so once you'll be able to reach these maslow hierarchy of needs then you're able to live a more fulfilling life to be able to give to other people but now we're living in a system that is completely arbitrary, trying to find and trying to get these numbers. And I mean, I'm convicted about this every day because I'm like, ooh, once I make a mill, I'm gonna be good. But I'm actually like, it's crazy. I'm like, oh shoot, I'm doing my dream. I have a little um, production company. It's not at the scale that I'm doing. Oh shoot, I dropped the book. Oh shoot, I'm speaking. Oh shoot, like, you know, it like, cause at the end of the day is realizing that this is all vanity. Now we're gonna look into Ecclesiastes, right? Solomon had everything. And at the end of the day, it's like, well, if you aren't necessarily mission guided or at least are being moved by trying to create a bigger impact and you're too busy trying to let these numbers dictate your life, you will be lost and you will be mm. drained. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, if you want to go there, let's talk about that. Ephesians says to live a life worthy of the calling in which you have received. See, the problem right. is as many of us believe that we have to be competent before we're called and it's the opposite. Two things yeah. happen. One is that many of us are called, but we refuse to recognize the caller. That's the first problem. The second one is that we believe that we have to be competent before we're actually called because we believe that the life that we're living needs to be the one that we had the vision of when in reality you can be stuck in one place because you're building a competency so that way you can move with conviction and you can move with certainty into the area that you're supposed to be. And I think this is important because like you said, it's an identity crisis. It's absolutely an identity crisis. Because if you can see me driving the Lamborghini, then what you don't see is that I'm actually incredibly insecure. Because right. if you can see me having this, then what you don't see is, and, and the problem is, is that again, it's a biblical truth. We want to keep going back there. It's a biblical truth that what you do in private will be highlighted in public. Right. And you know, it's interesting because in scripture, it talks about what you do in private will be highlighted in public. But the interesting thing is being highlighted doesn't always mean, hey, uh, I can take you know, Tava's multimedia group and all this, and I'm going to show the world what's really going on behind the scenes. Highlighted in public is also emulated in the insecurities that keep you from living into your God-given potential in the eyes of other people because you're stuck in their vision instead of in the vision that was given to you. And I think that's incredibly important. Wow. Wow. That, that's, a, that's a word. That's a drop. That's a gem. That is a gem. 
but I mean, but I, but it's, it's, it's facts because um, I don't know. Cause who, that's just such a tough thing because you kind of need, cause you know, you need money as a tool in order to be able to survive in this world. But um, I'm still like, I'm still like fighting and grappling with that. I'm like, man, is it really that true? Like, I don't know. Well, and, the word there, the tool, mm-hmm. that's what it is. Mm-hmm. See, okay, I have a belief that personal development goes out the window when bills come in the door. You can be as amazing and convicted as you possibly are. And I love my day and I go to conferences and I work out and I come home and raw. And then there's a stack of bills that you can't pay. Dude, I don't care how good you're feeling about yourself. That is going out the door, right? right? I told Brittany, I love praising God in the downtimes, but every once in a while, I'd love an opportunity to praise him in the uptime too. You know what I mean? Like, like it, you have to have money. I'm just going to make that very clear. Money is an amazing thing amazing the problem is is when that becomes the goal when Mm. that becomes the end instead of the means to an end the problem Mm. is is when that becomes your idol right thou shall not have false idols before me false idols is not that you are bowing down before something but it is the thing that distract so Mm. what happens is is god uses what you pay attention to to demand your attention and if you are distracted he will demand your attention by ripping it away so you can focus on him if you are in fact worthy of living the life of the calling in which you had received and this is why you have people that go through these intense moments of destruction is because they've been distracted instead of focused. And that's the problem. Money is an amazing thing. Just don't let it distract you. It is a tool and a leverage. It is not the goal. You have to have money, right? Because I tell you what, if you don't want money and, oh, I don't need money and all of this, if you're listening to this, well, okay, your son gets sick and you got to come up with 10 G's real quick. I tell you what, all of a sudden, it's going to be very nice to have a little bit of money in the bank. I'm just saying that the difference is on what we idolize, like like you touched on. I think it's an incredibly important factor. And I believe that what you earn, dollars, and how you earn are both important. Exactly. You know, I, I, I totally believe that. Right, 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 right. And so now it's in the sense of, okay, now continuing with this conversation. Mm-hmm. Now there's like kind of like this notion where, people are kind of knocking down the person that works a nine to five. Like they're completely like, okay, man, like if you work a nine to five, like you are trash or you are, um, you know, like, oh, you're not even on your stuff. Like what's going on with you? Because I mean, of course, you know, entrepreneurial sex. What does it mean to be financially free? That's a lot. Of, I think that's what a lot of people are looking for rather than because, see, if you have all these, like, no matter how much you make, it's, they say, like, it's all about how much are you able to keep and how much, how well, see, not even keep. Because at the end of the day, we got to realize that it's all about stewardship. Because it's funny because, you know, we're in this world where I, I'm, I'm trying to find the balance of, like, oh, cool, great. Like, you know, we're all about, oh, ownership, ownership, ownership. But we don't own anything because we're here. We're temporary. Like, how are we, how well are we going to steward the gifts that we've been given and then to continue to make sure that, hey, it can be passed on to the next generation and whatnot, right? And so that's why I'm like, oh, man, I'm, 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 being t- I'm being pulled a little bit. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to find that balance because, uh, okay, cool. I want to be financially free, but I also want to have a little bit of own form equity or stewardship to make sure that um, I can escape like this rat race because it really is. Well, I think... Um, my friend Matt Monero has a really good saying. He says it's hard money before easy money or, or hard life before easy life. And um, f- to me, financial freedom is not that you can go out and you can buy all the fun toys and stuff like that. Financial freedom is you no longer have the stress or the anxiety or the worry attached to a job or a nine to five or something like that. I fundamentally believe anyone that decides to take an effort and go out and provide for their family, regardless of what that looks like, is making the right decision. I will never diminish somebody for working because for that same person that maybe is accepting the nine to five or they're living in comfort, well, you know what? There's still 10 people that are choosing not even to take that step. So I always have to say to those that that choose to work and provide, thank you for not being a friggin' deadbeat because I, I have no respect for someone that has every capability to work but chooses not to. Zero respect for those people. I, I just, I don't get it. Um, but with that being said, again, that goes back to the ego. Right, Because if I tell you, oh, well, I'm going to diminish your nine to five, that means that all of a sudden my tiny little hustle where I'm selling three products a month and barely making rent, now I don't have to feel so bad about myself. Mm-hmm. Because in reality, if you're doing okay at your nine to five, that means that in reality, since I haven't surpassed you, I'm not doing okay. And now I have to look in the mirror and face the reality, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And too many people would rather push off responsibility, become victims, 
be affected. I live a life that's oppressed or I'm the oppressor instead of taking responsibility and looking in the mirror and saying, all that I have is a factor of me. Bill Gates says, if you were born poor, that's your fault. If you die poor, or excuse me, if you're born poor, that's not your fault. If you die poor, that is your fault. But replace poor with lack of opportunity, lack of success, lack of significance, whatever that means. It is your fault and it is your responsibility. And I think that it goes back to the ego. You know, I, I, and I went through that. I'm going to be real. I went through that. Right. Like, oh man, you know, if you, you, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, but then I realized I'm dumping on the people that I want to work for me. <laughs> like, like seriously, like all these people like, Hey, you know what? You don't want to, okay. What happens when that's the only narrative you've put out? And now you have to hire employees. Okay. Right. Well, if I go work for the top of multimedia group, now I'm not going to feel appreciated. And now all of a sudden you have to work back this culture. So maybe in reality, it's, uh, I have a, at my, at my work, um, well, and in my life, we have core values, which I'm sure you're familiar with the term. I also have what I call core accountability, which are the things that keep you accountable to the values. And one of my core accountability is to love the person in front of me, which is everyone is uniquely created and gifted to give their own unique impact back to the world and that we need to move in a grace with the people around us. And when you give people the space to actually embrace their own sense of giftedness as it relates back to the mission of the whole, that's when you see true gifts come out. And that is not possible in the narrative of because you've made a decision that's different than the one I made, you're lesser. I mean, that's there's no space for that narrative in this world. Yeah, I know it exists, but but in reality, in the world of success and moving forward and whatnot, there's no room for that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's 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 so good. That is so amazing, I guess. And I think, you know, you all now you're hearing the conversation change in terms of where we're moving from a world that was so over profits over people into now finally allowing and compassion and empathy and equity and all this stuff. And like, you know, and I guess, um, you know, due to COVID-19 and just black lives matter and all that stuff. Um, like what, like, what does it mean for you as an owner, as an entrepreneur, as somebody that as a leader, what does it mean to continue to walk in your life with about like having equity on the forefront? What does equity mean to you? And how are you leading that through your day to day? I think to me that what I think about is this is a very interesting time because so many different things are at life. I mean, so many different conversations. You've got class conversations and race conversations and health conversations, and it's an election year. Right. <laughs> so now and so we've got all these different conversations. I think for me, the the most important thing that I I thank God I, I recognized before this year that I think maybe your listener might be able to to take to heart is the power of, of what you say and, and what you communicate and what you speak is just as important as how it's interpreted. Um, and, and the reason that I say that is because we actually have, for, for every person that, so let me actually use this as an example. You said before this that you had watched some of my content and that you had engaged with some of my content. But the, when we just messaged to get on the show, this, that was the first time that we ever interacted, correct? Right. Okay. So for every person that actually reaches out, you've got many, many more that are watching that you never know. You never know right. what type of an impact that you're having. And so I think for me, with all the craziness going on this year, it's just been a, an, an opportunity as an owner, as a leader, as a voice to look back at my community and embrace those concepts of loving the person in front of you and allowing people to move in that space and and really just allowing grace and space for for people to kind of process and work through this crazy time on their own. Because I think part of the reason why there's so much tension is no one's allowing each other to process. No one's allowing any real dialogue. It's I'm right and you're wrong and you think you're right and I'm wrong. And then there's friction when in reality, the conversation, in my opinion, needs to be on whatever side, whatever debate, whatever spectrum that has two sides, sit on one or the other. And it is, this is what I think and what I believe. And I really do want to know yours. I don't have to agree with you to be able to love you as a person. And I think that that is what's lost. Like you don't have to agree with someone or someone's decisions or someone's choices or someone's belief to be able to, in a loving and caring way, be present for that person. Because it's if we disagree, now we're against, not necessarily, because even in the political spectrum, Democrats and Republicans, who this year it's a very, I mean, it's always stark, but this year it's very stark in right. regards to contrast and ideals and, and venom on both sides. Um, it's if you really think about it, getting away all types of political agendas and motivations and corruption, just the black and white of Democrat and Republican, 
the ideology is very similar. Right. How do we create a world where, where people can live the best life that they can? Now, there's all types of red tape and things that muddy the waters, as you know, but, but the fundamental ideology is similar. It's just two different perspectives. We have a larger hand and an overarching power, or we have a lesser hand and a more community power. Which, which one of those? And so, but through all the, the, the craziness and, and, and inability to communicate and all these other issues, now we're in a state where there's all this tension. And I, I think the way to release that is to move in that grace and that space and that compassion and that kindness. Because if you just had a little bit of room to breathe and you were in that space, I think it would produce a very different outcome, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's so good. And that's so good. And, and you know, and I'm going to ask a little bit like a, of a tougher question and more offensive question is, um, you know, everybody has been so quick to say that um, about like white privilege, like, oh my gosh, like white people are so privileged and whatever and historically. And, you know, we can, there's all the nuances about that. But um, now whenever, like, the conversation is like, I don't think there's a lot of grace for white people nowadays. Like it's definitely like, like it's got the point of cancel culture has gotten to where it's like, they see a white person or they see that and it's like, white people this, white people that. Like it is like completely like changed the script. So how, how does it feel like, you know, being a white male, you know, business owner and all that? walking in a life that is transitioning, but also is like so quick to point the finger at you saying that you, you caused everything. Well, I think that's a, that's a very, very, very interesting question. And I appreciate you candidly having the guts to be able to ask it because yeah. I think a lot of people are scared to have those types of conversations. I really do. Um, I think if we look at the picture, uh, just in general, is that you have essentially in that conversation. And, and I, the funny thing is actually, I have probably the, one of the most diverse groups of close friends out of many, many people that I know. And so when everything started really happening and I live in the city, so I firsthand got to experience what some of that passion really felt like. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but what happened was I was able to reach out to my friends, uh, from different walks of life and spectrums, my friends who were really, really, really white. And my friends who had gone through different experiences as an African-American male or female or something like that, and everyone in between. And actually the perspectives were rather similar in regards to, we've got a generation of people that are trying to intergenerationally describe grievances. And on the same token, there needs to be grace and space on both sides, right? Not all protests are riots. Not all African-American men are targets. Not all police officers are bad apples. Ooh, did I just say that? And not all white people are racist and slave owners. Like, right. let's be real. Right. Um, and so I think going back to that grace and that space, um, to me, the biggest thing that I've tried to do is lead by example and not give anyone a reason where essentially if, you know, you wanted to attack me and all of that, go ahead. Like, that, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. You know, I can take it. But if you go back through my life and through my work and through my content and through what I do, from a data standpoint, there needs to be love and grace and compassion and an example of living a life less like the best version of myself and more like an authentic version of Jesus. Mm. Because interesting, you know, I can speak freely on here as a believer, right. heaven's going to look a lot more like a day at the DMV than it is going to look at, at a, at a, you know, for a sorority house or something like that. It's going to look uh, like this diverse mix of incredible individuals. And I think for me personally, having friends all from different walks of life and spectrums of backgrounds and, and, and ethnicities, and I'm able to experience multiple perspectives on a similar subject. Right. Um, and really, what I think what it comes down to is an ability to process hurt on one side. But then on a side like for me, we need to ensure that as a culture, we're building bridges and not breaking them down. Right. Like one of the greatest things I did, um, or not, I did, I didn't do this. Excuse me. One of the greatest things that I, that I witnessed was there was a church that I attended, uh, in Dallas in a very, very, very wealthy part of Dallas. And it was white, like, like right. white, right. <laughs> but they were working on building bridges. And so they would always connect in different 
pulpits, we'd come together and we, and it was just a way that community happened to be in a very Caucasian part of town, but it would connect with all of these different communities and we'd come together and go to different churches. And, 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 and I tell you what, at the end of this project, I mean, I mean, everyone was together, right? everyone. And I think the real issue right now is we're not having discussions. We're, we're, we're destroying bridges between conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Like, like, frankly, if this were other people, A, you might not have even asked that. Or if I was somebody, I could be like, oh, and then I could go off on my little soapbox. And that doesn't solve anything. It makes you irritated and me irritated. And then we go on being deeper rooted in beliefs that may or may not be founded. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's a great question. Really good question. Hey, well, uh, thank you. You know, like this is like, and that's the reason why I even started this cool concept. Because I came from a background that was so rooted in um, diversity. Like I came from, um, cause like, it's funny because I'm actually from, um, currently right now I'm in Canada, but um, I'm from Dallas. I'm from the um, Arlington area, but I went to school in Irving um, and Las Colinas for like a very long period of time. The zip code 75039, you know, oh, I know it. Yeah. So I went to like Las Colinas North Hills Preparatory. And so we had everybody and we always be used to celebrate so much of that you know international parade all this all that and so when i got to baylor the very first thing i'm like whoa like even my yeah. teacher was like are you sure you want to go to baylor and i was like yeah, yeah. you know like scholarship whatever but then all of a sudden i was like oh my goodness yep. it's so separated and then i'm like yeah. okay i'm going to join student government i'm going to try to figure a way i know how to talk to all these people and um, um i've just I don't know, like it, that's why I think it's so important for us to be able to have a global mindset because at the end of the day, whether you're a believer or you're not, you know, there's so many things that are out there and there's so many people that are out there. And for you just to put your stick, your head in the ground is ignorant and it's foolish. And yes. I and see, and especially now when we're living in a social age where one, let's just be frank, um, and I'm somebody that's media, I love media and studying media. We yep. know that big corporate, like there's only six corporations that own the media. Yep. We know that the news is actually mostly entertainment because of advertising dollars. We know that there's these headlines because the attention span is lacking. We know that these huge can like, you know, huge tech companies are utilizing psychologists and, and scientists to be able to combine and making sure that us to stay addicted to our phones and continue to diminish our our like our lifespan and i was like okay what is the way like the the art of conversation and dialogue is dying mm-hmm. and that's why i love the form of podcasting because if you want to you can actually sit down and be able to hear you know like long form conversation because there's not a lot of that most of the time is the most times you're going to talk to somebody is whether you're going to literally sit down and eat with them like for real, like take off the phone or not, but it's mostly like tick, 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 tack or looking at clips that'll go viral and not having the full context. Yes. And then that, that's where the culture of cancel culture comes in because we um, we hear something and then we are rooted in most of our information is back from short clips that makes us get angry. And then after that, it's this cycle that continues to make the dollars for huge corporations and makes us look like fools. <laughs> and, it's, and it's taking responsibility too. You know, like, like you said, you know, you've had reasons to where you could have rolled over, right? You know, your, your, your parents have immigrated, you come from a broken household, you, you, you go into a school that's, I mean, you have these reasons, right? That, that, that could have been potentially reasons for you to set back and live in a setback, right? But you took responsibility for that. And the interesting thing, cause you know, I had a business in real estate um, which, you know, Irving Las Colinas, where you come from, that's actually by proportionately, it is the most economically diverse city in the nation or not right. economically, culturally diverse city in the nation. Right. You have almost equal parts of every single ethnicity, which is crazy. So of course you go from literally one of, if not one of the top three in the nation, that was about 2018 data. So it might've shifted to a school that's not as diverse. And so I think, you know, you took responsibility, said, I'm going to be the change that I want to see, but you also touched on something else, which I think is incredible, which is, and you have to be informed, right? I don't care if you support or you don't support police support, or you don't support BLM support, or you don't support political. If you're a Republican, I don't care. I want you to be informed. In fact, I love opposing viewpoints because it creates stimulating conversation, but my God, know the facts. Like, please be informed on why you make your decisions. That is so key. Not, I'm going to just check one side. Like, for example, my morning news, I have in the middle, I have independent, I have hard left, I have hard right, so I can make a decision. 
right? right? It's just like you cannot argue another side unless you know it, right? I have certain views a certain way based on the data that I have. I don't care if someone else has another viewpoint, but I think what the conversation is being lost, but also the art of discovery is being lost too, because you've got this wave of, of, of people that no longer feel the need to search, right? I go, just like this, just pull this up. How far away is the sun from earth? Here's some information. Right. Okay. I, that's it. I'm done. That's just it. like that. And so the problem is, is that the, the art of actually finding the information is gone. And right. so the, 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 the desire, the little thing inside you where you go, huh, I wonder, well, now it's, huh, uh, okay, thanks. And then you're done. And so, so I think that that's something that's incredibly important to carry on the dialogues because the way you have a dialogue is through information. The way you have information is through the discovery and through the process of learning it. So you learn about yourself in the process and everything in between, man, you, you really touched on some good points there. I to totally agree with that. Oh, dude, thank you so much, man. And I, I, I see, and I'm so blessed because I come from a family, like I'm the eldest child of mm -hmm. two immigrants that came from Zimbabwe. Um, there was a point of time where I wasn't able to speak. I had a speech impediment. I had deaf, like deaf. Like I was at a point of time where that was like involved. I was selling shoes, you know, got into a bad accident, like face death. Like, and I, I really think it's one life is too short for us just to believe one thing. We're always evolving. Like there's this, there's this, um, like, and my dad always taught me about like curiosity and making sure that we're always reading, 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 just to be always having an open mind. And an open mind doesn't necessarily mean to for you to agree on everything, because at the end of the day, like, we're, like we're all different. But it's funny because us as humans, we're so like we're going so than we are um, different. And I, I was having a thought another day. I put it on my Twitter, and I was talking to my friend. I'm like, man, us like as Western society is so comfortable. We're so mm -hmm. comfortable. To to a point that we're willing to argue about stuff that doesn't necessarily really matter. Because I remember going to Africa. I remember like, you know, when I'm asking all like, you know, my cousins and my friends like, yo, what do you think about America? Do you want to ever move there? They're like, people jump off of buildings to kill themselves. I'm good over here. Like, oh, we got stuff over here, but like y'all are so comfortable how we have everything's right there. But at the end of the day, like sometimes it's just like, and to go back to your feeling, like, you know, that fulfillment's like, ah, uh, I don't know. That's just such a weird concept that I was just like, wow, like that's, whew. Well, I think when, when you are, when you no longer have, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. You go across and you travel, and, and I love traveling internationally, but one thing that happens when you right. break out of the bubble is all of a sudden you get tons of different cultures and perspectives and languages and all the greatness, but you also really see actually it's pretty damn good in the United States, in Canada, in Westernized culture. And you're like, it's, it's good. Like it's fantastic. Like it puts problems into perspective. And I think because, you know, there's a, there's a statement. I hope I get it right. I heard it once and it was very powerful. It is um, uh, strong men create good times good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, and then hard times create strong men. It's a cycle. Right. And mm -hmm. I think I got that right. And so essentially, but but what happens is, is that we we kind of have this incredibly long good time in the Western culture, which is, you know, if you think about, let's look at some um, some problems that of course we shouldn't be having, like Flint, Michigan, the water issue, right? Even that, which is, it's terrible. I think that, you know, I, I absolutely heard about that. I'm like, that's terrible. You have to be drinking clean water, but think about that one city in the entire nation and their problem is bad water. You have whole countries who don't even have access to bad water. Right. right? And so it's, it's just, it's just crazy. So I think if we all just take a step back and I'm not this hippie, oh, we need to love one another. There's always going to be people who are mad. There's always going to be people who are oppressors. There will always be people who are oppressed. There will always be winners. There will always be losers. Welcome to humanity. Right. Uh, losers, excuse me. But if we take a step back and we just evaluate and we just sit back and think about, okay, the problems that I'm having, I, 
they're in perspective, they're actually small. Now they might be big for you in the moment, but in the big scheme of things, they're small. And for me, it allowed me when I thought that way, because I was complaining about all sorts of things that didn't matter. And when I thought about that way, I started looking, even when I had no money and I was losing out on opportunities and I lost businesses and I lost everything and I couldn't make an $800 apartment rent. And I went through all these, all these things, you know, um, I really looked around and it's like, well, I mean, I would literally think there were some days where I'm like, still in America and there's still opportunity and we can still make it happen. And I think that just that alone, I mean, you want to talk about oppression. There are some areas that uh, have deep, deep, deep ingrained oppression, you know, where you can't do something just because of who you are or who you love or what you, or what you do. I mean, so is America perfect? No, God, no, absolutely not. No, no, is no country is, but I think when you start to get in perspective a little bit about that in relation to everything else, um, it gives you kind of the freedom to not have to worry about the tiny details anymore, you know, the space to think. Right. Right. Um, that's so good because they like, was it um, last Friday? Um, I applied for this Google podcaster program. I didn't get it. I was like, I thought I was going to get in the bag. Cause I'm like, Oh shoot, man. Like, this is awesome. I didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, Damn, bro. Oh man, I could have, that would have given me an opportunity for funding, 12,000 equipment, studio time. Cause all I'm doing is just doing this off the laptop, whatever. I left yeah. my mic at home and I'm like, okay. But, um, and I was a little bit disappointed. I was like, I was bummed out. I was like, dang man. That sucks because I know, like, I know, like, I thought they basically ripped my application to shreds. Like, like you need to work on this, and it's like everything. I'm like, huh? Oh, I, th I thought it was clear. I thought it was the mission. Okay, but, um, but then, and of course, you know, I, I think a lot of people know, but it was just in the situation where, um, and and I guess you know, my friends say like I have this little bit of influence, right? Um. You know, like I saw an Instagram post, and I've been hearing it, and I've been trying to tell people, let them aware, try to figure out what, like, what's going on in China, um, and like, you know, the Uruguay are uh, Muslims and our brothers and sisters that are over there that are like literally like a uh, second Holocaust, and we always say that, oh, if there was another Holocaust, we'll never do this again, and it's like it's happening again. What yeah. can we do? Where, where is it? Where, like, um, and that's when I'm like, okay, I really have nothing to like i remember seeing a video of a four-year-old little boy being beat up and that broke my heart i mean still i'm about to go into tears i'm like ah oh, man whoo tough that really broke my heart i'm like this should not be happening all right what can i do to help that what can i do to at least raise awareness maybe not even showing like how can me as a human being with whatever influence or whatever thing that i have the platform what can we do to be able to at least bring a voice and bring a light to these platforms and to these situations and how can we get together to do that because and, and it kind of sucks because you said that like there's going to be winners and losers and oppressors and like can we really accept that and i mean that's just the broken world that we um we live in and you know nothing is new under the sun mm -hmm. but how can we use at least you know know have that knowledge be equipped with that continue to walk out of life in our daily life but also be public servants and continue to advocate for the voiceless right well and i think Isaiah. something that you touched on can we really accept that my answer is no there is a difference between accepting the reality of the world you are working in and accepting it as unchangeable mm. one is completely sure. different so let's have that conversation can we accept that the data you have to because not accepting that is not reality. Right. There are winners and losers and oppressors and those that are oppressed. And, and there's that is the data. That is the world we live in. Should we accept that as unchangeable? No, absolutely not, because it is. And it's been proven to be unchangeable because we have less than we did you know, years and years and years and years ago and decades ago and, and three generations ago. And America today is very different than it was in the 17 and 1800s. You know, that type of thing. It's, 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 can that change? Yes. But you touched on something, which is key. You said, I saw this, you know, I thought, can I have a platform? Can I have this? One thing that I think is, is important to do and yet very hard to do is you have to come to terms with the fact that you cannot change everything. Right. It's not possible which is hard, but get deep into one. And what I mean by that is find the cause and latch to it. 
because a lot of people want to be social warriors, which is fantastic. If you want to stand up for oppressed people, I mean, that's an amazing, a noble trait, but you cannot represent all people that are oppressed in a, right. in a global scale. And so I think what's important there is if you have that passion in your heart, going deep into one. So like I see a need for individuals that are in situations where they are, uh, for whatever reason, at a disadvantage, right? Whether it's an economic disadvantage or a racial disadvantage or a socio or whatever it is, disadvantage based on different situations. I think one of the best ways to get out of a disadvantaged situation is through entrepreneurship, right? Because I know a lot of people that grew up in situations that were very different. That was like, you went to jail or you found your way out. Like that, like that was it. And a good way out of that is being an entrepreneur where entrepreneur doesn't mean slinging Coke on the end of the quarter. It means actually getting something done that's productive to society and figuring out how to get to those people in that community. That's something that's important to me. I'm figuring that out. There's so many other things I want to touch. I'm able to do that through, um, like I, I can't announce it yet, but we're partnering with a, a company, um, almost confirmed partnering with the company for our conference that uh, their sole mission is to stop child sex trafficking. I'm very passionate about that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I have the heart to actually be in that. And I, I, that, that hits me very deeply, but I can support. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, things like that. So I think when you can go one that you can get your hands in and really help. And then through your work, there are ways to support others. Um, that can be more impactful than, than trying to hit everything. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. That's really, that's so good. And I think, and cause I was listening to another podcast with um, thought leader, philosopher, angel investor, Naval Lavakant. I really think that he has such a great perspective about like too many times people are trying to save the world, but honestly, like, no, like the very first thing that you should do is one, save yourself, yeah. save the people around you. And then after that, once you reach that, choose to choose into a cause and do that because at the end of the day, and as you like a previous point, not everybody's supposed to be number one. And there's, a, there's, there's so much value and there's so much vitalness in being able to play and know your role. Like I was even, I put on another tweet. It's like, at this point, I don't care about being known because at the end of the day, and now this is a, just a whole completely conversation, but it's this idea of when we live in the world that where everybody wants to be known. And um, like at the end of the day, well, not at the end of the day, but there's just kind of like this tinge or something in my conscience that's like, you know what? Everything that I'm doing will will kind of be unimpressive when it won't be, a, it won't be remembered by the masses a hundred years from now. Right? Like, yeah. It's the person that helped somebody else, like there's the doorman and there was the writer, there was the script writer, there was somebody that did that. They weren't known, but they played a part in being able to help build and bring that change. And I think it's more of like, if you're able to identify how and when and how you're going to be able to do that, as you said, um, I think then that's where things will continue to get, that change will continue to come at a much better, faster rate. Yeah, and I think it's it's um, there's a phrase that I uh, I have called a platform of validity. Essentially, if you want people to give a crap, you have to have a reason for them to pay attention and care, realistically. Um, and that's not telling people that you're great. That's them knowing that you're great, where you don't have to introduce yourself at what it is that you do. But uh, for those that actually want to achieve big things, right, that you first have to achieve before you speak it. Um, but the interesting thing is. I fully believe that all uncommon things begin with common people and in common ways. Right. And I think so often, right? I mentioned that you're, you're, you can be called before you're competent. I mentioned that earlier, but the problem is, is that we often think that where we're supposed to be ending up needs to be this giant shining platform. When in reality, I know people that are making massive moves and massive impact and they're not on Instagram and they're not on social media and they're not public but behind the scenes, whew, they're making things happen. Right. And I think the thing is, is that we think an extraordinary life looks like an, an uncommon life when in reality, the people that I know that are making the biggest moves actually do so in very common ways. Even right. the people that are on social media and they're talking and they're doing all of this. Some of my friends that are quite widely known, in fact, some household names your, your followers probably are aware of, um, when we sit down and talk, their conversations are, well, no, the impact is back at their work and the people they employ and how they, and those are common things. Right. 
right? All uncommon things begin with common people and in common ways. And so I think that if we stop looking for this uncommon revelation and we start looking for how in the day-to-day we can switch our footing to be a dance with our calling instead of default to where we've stayed currently, that's how we start to shift that perspective. Stop looking for the skies to open up and start finding a way for you to make a daily impact because honestly, that is the way that it builds. Right, It starts at the kitchen table before it leaves the door, and many times we're called to the end of our street, not the end of the earth. So <laughs> we don't need to get on a boat across the ocean to start. You know what I mean? Right. That's so, that, that's so good, and that's so sobering. Um, now, these are like kind of like now, um, I'm just going to wrap up the podcast. And, man, I mean, it's just, it was such a pleasure just being able to talk with you, man. Like, you know, I love your perspective. Um, so now these couple questions are, you know, kind of like questions like more like reflection or deep thoughts or whatever i think of like every question has been but it's just like kind of like a more like legacy or legacy questions right so my first question is what does it mean like in in you being like you know an entrepreneur um what does it mean to be rich what is your definition of rich and success my definition of rich and success is as a couple of different things that came to mind uh, the first is no longer needing to apologize for who you are or how you move. Um, I think that's important. Um, not having your identity grounded in people's perceptions of your actions, but actually in your actions or in your, uh, uh, well, for me, it's it's in my creator, but for someone that doesn't have a specific faith, it's, in, it's, it's no longer needing to be validated by uh, external people. Um, success to me is is, actually the word that comes to mind is joy. Not happiness, because happiness is fleeting. Joy is a fruit of the spirit, and you can't pluck the fruit of the spirit unless the spirit is nurtured. And the problem is, is that our bodies are often nurtured before our spirit. Then we wonder why the spirit dies, and then we live an unfulfilled life. And so, I see really as that 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 ability to live in an unapologetic way, and not like a, I'm bold and this is who I am, but I'm talking like just be, and then an ability to be joyful in your day to day. That's the beginning of the success that I see. Um, I think it's important to have money. I really, really do. I think it's important to pursue a life that's inspiring, fascinating, and motivating. Uh, but I met a lot of people that had no money and uh, were deeply fulfilled by their work. And a lot of people that had a lot of money and sure did hate their life and hate their spouse. And um, I know which life I'd rather live. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. That, yeah, that, that just that conversation about that is so true. I just always think about there's two clips that come to mind. The very first clip that comes to mind is like Bob Marley when he was being interviewed. And he said, "Hey, are you a rich man?" He said, "Are you rich?" He's like, "Rich is like you know, Julie's like, no nah, man, I'm rich because I have life. I'm rich because I get to have fun and have community, have joy, be able to live my day to day. You know, um, I've personally had great conversations with homeless people, um, whether it's serving, but also like, or just like you know, just walking the street in Waco and like having a conversation. And, and you know, it's like, how how is it? And it's like, man, I chose this life because I realized that." Um, actually, I was in Tulum, and there was this man. He was playing the accordion, and he was a Wall Street broker. All this, and he said, "Man, I I realized that that was the life that was kind of forcing me from me because I wanted to escape where I came from. But then I realized all I wanted to do was play the accordion, but I was shunned away. And even after all everything, um, it just felt so futile. And I'm, I'm I moved to just do this now. And man, he was happy. <laughs> he was joyful." <laughs> That's incredible. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. Man. Now, the second question is, um, what are three things that you would tell to your 21-year-old self? (laughs) (laughs) 21-year-old self. Man, that was six years ago. That's not that far. Um, Let me think. I would say, uh, well, first of all, um, something that I found out the hard way is that many people think they need help when in reality they need time. And um, I made some bad partnership decisions in my business that cost a lot of money and a lot of sanity that knowing what I know now, I would not have made that decision. Um, And partnership in a business is a lot like a marriage. You're essentially married and connected every way except for physical intimacy. You got financial intimacy. You've got, you're spending time together. You've got conversation. I mean, in every way, Uh, almost every way. It really is a a marriage and uh, you have to be careful who you're yoked with. And so um, I truly believe that I didn't need help. I needed time. 
And what people don't know is when I had these business partners and it was like, oh, they're this group and this power of people coming together that actually stemmed from an insecurity of me still being insecure that I could actually do it on my own. Therefore, I needed to partner with people and the partnerships, both of them that were these powerful people coming together and doing, no, it, it hurt me so bad. Both of them did. And so um, I think the number one thing that comes to mind is, is sometimes you just need time. You don't need help. You need time. You just need time to figure it out, just time to breathe, time to work, time to process. Again, going back to the very first thing we talked about, building a business takes time. It takes a lot of money, but it takes a lot of time. And, um, you know, it's right recognizing. My dad used to say, and darn it, if he wasn't correct, he used to say that it takes three times as as long and it's three times as expensive than what you typically project. And uh, actually, he's kind of right. It it really is. It, I thought it would, I would, you know, break, X amount in sales in my first, you know, year and then my second and then my third. And then it took a long time to be able to hit some, some goals. And so, um, that's probably what I would tell my 21 year old self. Yeah, that, that's good. And I think that's so, that's so encouraging to me because, um, I, I feel like I'm kind of running out of, well, not running out of time, but I'm like, oh man, I, I said, like, <laughs> that's a funny goal. Like, I just, I think just where my direction, my life is going, I'm like, yeah, I think I can hit, like, I think I can be a millionaire, like 24, 25, you know, like I really, I, I genuinely think I can, but at the same time, it's like, yo, take, you know, but why try to put that pressure on yourself? Like, like, cause that's a big, that's like, and there's, I think there's necessities in having goals and when we're down, oh, yeah. absolutely. but man, sometimes it's like, whoa, um, uh, you put a little bit too much unnecessary pressure. You know what I would do instead is I would reverse engineer what you want life to look like. So, um, which I think is a, a, a good kind of conclusion, concluding thought to that statement. Um, there's five areas I think make a whole person, a personal, financial, spiritual, relational, and professional. Personal is you, it's yourself, it's you in the gym, it's, it's uh, financial, um, they're in no particular order. Personal financial is how you earn your money and what you earn are both as important. Spiritual, it's you diving into your faith, getting into your faith community. If you don't have a specific faith, it's it's headspace, it's peace. Um, personal financial, spiritual, relational, that's your friendships, that's your spouse, that's the people around you, and then professional. So there's a difference between an occupation and a vocation. Right. Many of us are stuck in one and we want the other. So um, but what I do is I and I, I still do this process in ideal versus reality. I make a T-chart. And on one side, I have ideal, personal, financial, spiritual, relational, professional. And I go, boom, boom, boom. This is ideally what I'd like to work towards. And then I have reality. I want to make a million dollars, but I made 40 or I made 10 or whatever. And, and you start to find where things are working and where there's disconnect. And then where there's disconnect, you're able to build a bridge back to the idea. Okay, so I want to make a million dollars. But first of all, why? So I need to do the math and make sure that the life that I'm trying to live is actually a million dollar life. When in reality, the top 1% is 464,000, not a million. You can live an amazing life on a couple hundred and getting to 300 is a lot easier than getting to a million. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also you go, okay, so maybe the goal is 500, 300, a million, and you're at 10. Then from there, okay, now you need to figure out how you can make 15 or you figure out how you make 10 in 30% effort instead of 100 effort. You know, you can start to set these little milestones, but when you constantly do that on a monthly basis or a quarterly or a semi-annually basis, it gives you a really good compass for not falling too far off track. Um, I think that would be a a really good place, especially knowing that a lot of your listeners are kind of in a similar space. I highly recommend that. And if you're a person that's in a relationship, you and the person you're in a relationship with, if you're serious enough to have these conversations, try this, make a date night of it, go into two different rooms or two different areas, fill it out. Don't tell each other and then come together and then see what your ideal and reality look like. Or do you have matchup? Do you have mismatch? It's a great way to start a conversation. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting process and it's a, it's a good way to kind of stay on course, you know? That's so good. That's, that's so great. Yeah. And I mean, my last question, the last huge question is what do you want your legacy to be? My entire goal is to shift a global recognition of what it means to live inspired and on purpose, of what it means to wake up invigorated and come home fulfilled, of how to tangibly and tactically live an inspiring, fascinating, and motivating life that leaves a significant legacy shift for your children and your grandchildren, of how to use your unique gift and your uncommon, uh, just just the, the things that make you who you are to positively impact the world around you. 
um, hopefully the legacy was that I've accomplished that goal of really shifting this recognition conversations like this, where it's not about money. Here's what's important. Um, that's what I'm shooting for. Wow. That's amazing. Um, now I think, you know, I think this is one of the key things about my podcast that I love. It's my favorite part. It's called the speak life, um, um, speak life segment where, and you know that, um, in the word James, that life and death come from the tongue. And uh, I think it's so important for everybody to speak life. Mr. Evan Stewart, I just want to say, uh, first off, I just want to say thank you so much for your amazing work, for all that you have done and how you're living out your life and the purpose that God has created you to be. By utilizing your oratory skills, by utilizing your marketing, your business development, and continuing to live a life full of purpose and inspiration and being able to teach other people how to do that is so great. And I, I mean, I bet you will already know, but um, you are so accomplished, but despite all the accomplishments, it's just so, it's so great to see how humble and how gracious you are to get on a podcast with some random 21 year old kid. <laughs> and, but I just want to say, man, I'm so, I'm so blessed and I'm so honored and I'm grateful for who you are, who you were and who you're becoming and how you're going to continue to change and move lives. Um, you know, as my brother in Christ, you know, I, I love you and I love all the things that you are and who God created you to be. So thank you so much for your dedication and thank you so much for your inspiration and thank you so much for being the man that you are. I appreciate that, my friend. Thank you very much. It means the absolute world. I'm happy to do it. I think you have an amazing platform and, um, you know, anything I can do to support you, just let me know. Absolutely. Well, everybody, that is it for season three, episode um, 12. Yeah, episode 12, that is it. We are out. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you go watch the podcast on YouTube if you haven't. And make sure you go follow us on IG Campus Cuts Pod and follow us on each and every social media network. Thank you so much for the help. Hopefully that we can get up back to where we were and hope you have a blessed day. Continue to share it, like it, love it, subscribe, and enjoy your time. Peace.